0: Writings of the Promised Messiah
1: In order to establish the oneness of God it is of utmost importance that one should love God to one's full capacity and this love cannot be verified unless it reaches its perfection in a practical form it cannot be proved with lip profession you know if somebody just talks of sugar he cannot find the taste of sweetness in his mouth Or, if somebody expresses the feeling of friendship but does not help his friend in times of need, he cannot be called a true friend. Likewise, if somebody just talks of the oneness of God but does not love him as he should, it cannot be of any avail. What I really mean is that practice is very important along with the precept. That is why it is necessary that you should dedicate your lives in the way of God and this is the real Islam for which I have been sent to the world. Thus, he who does not come near this fountain that God has made to flow is very unfortunate. شهاد وال... Listening to the Voice of Islam Radio,
2: you're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio, broadcasting on DAB. By the internet, 24 hours a day.
0: In the name of Allah, the Gracious, the Merciful, Assalamu alaikum, peace be upon you, and welcome to another episode of the Draft Time Show here on The Voice of Islam. Today with myself, Raza, Brother Kium, and Brother Daniel. Over the next two hours, we're going to be with you speaking about two topics as usual. In the first half of the program, we are going to talk about peace and is it difficult to achieve peace building in the world? We're going to take a look at how the world is looking at the moment right now and what needs to be done if we want to head towards a future, which looks a little bit more peaceful. And then in the second half of the program, we're going to take a look at something uh, very interesting as well. Is marriage on the decline in the UK? Or not, as always, if you want to have your say, you can give us a call on 0208 or you can send us a tweet at UK, as well as on Instagram. And if you want to send us an email, do so at info at voiceofslam.co.uk.
2: Brother Kyum, Assalamualaikum to you. Wa well, peace be on you, brother. How are you this morning? Alhamdulillah, this morning. This this morning. morning. That Looks just like shows you, you've, you this, been, you've been doing too much breakfast. Show. How am you? That just shows my state of mind this <laughs> afternoon. <laughs> it is a Friday afternoon, so do please forgive me.
0: Yeah, you you do all the forgiving in this in this part of the program, isn't it? At the well, end,
2: it of the is week. about peace. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> it is about peace. So so let's have some this afternoon. <laughs> let's have some this afternoon. No doubt. No doubt. Interesting topic.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Um, In the Holy Quran, in chapter 49, verse 11, God Almighty addressing the believers says that surely all believers are brothers. So make peace between brothers and fear Allah that mercy may be shown to you. In another verse of the Holy Qur'an, we find that if you have any issues with each other, then uh, you know return it or go to the Messenger of God Almighty. Present it to those people of God and met, let them make peace between those things that you differ amongst each other. And also in Surah al fuqan which is one of the later parts of the Holy Qur'an, it says, and the servants of the gracious God are those who walk on the earth in a dignified manner. And when the ignorant address them, they say, peace. And throughout the Holy Quran and many, many other verses and many different chapters, we find this encouragement towards building bridges, towards building peace, to give up maybe sometimes your rights in order for the rights of others to be upheld. And who better to explain to us why, what these verses actually mean, how to live them, how to put them into practice, than the life and the example, the character of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him himself. When it came to so many different aspects where he gave up his rights, where for the sake of building peace, for the sake of peace in society, he um, gave up his own rights. Uh, For the sake of establishing a peaceful society, he took it up on himself to defend the rights of others. And that is something that Islam promotes. That is something that Islam wants to see. And then, of course, in the latter part of the day uh, of, of the world, in the latter days, it was the promised Messiah, the founder of the Muslim community, foretold by the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, as well as many other religions and religious founders, who was to establish that heaven on earth, who was to make sure that people find their way back to God and thus, be able to establish that peace that we want to see in the world. But how is it looking at the moment? Despite 126 countries improving their positive peace from 2009 to 2020 over a span of 11 years, the 2023 Global Peace Index reveals that the average level of global peacefulness deteriorated for the ninth consecutive year, with 84 countries recording an improvement and 79
2: a deterioration doesn't look that nice, does it? Well, I mean, let's be realistic in looking at what's happening around the world. Do we really think we are heading in a direction where peace is even on the agenda? Hmm. I mean, if we were to look at it from a worldly point of view, political point of view, religion, belief in God... This notion of invulnerability hmm. is more prominent, and what's also very prominent is that there is utter and complete absence of any fa- any fear of god yeah. um, any um, there is complete an absence of um the the concern for the welfare of people at large because when there is war the decision makers are always protected hmm. and yes people die but people's death is collateral damage because again i maybe i'm giving it a it, it might sound negative, but let's look at what's happening in the world around us. Mm. Russia, Russia, Ukraine. Yeah. I'm without taking sides. People are dying. Yet everybody knows realistically that there are negotiations that need to be had. Everybody knows that there is a solution that needs to be had. Yet nobody even talks about. Um, sitting around the table mm. and negotiating. If one was to look at it from a, a layman's point of view who's independent and, and and not taking any sides, then one would say, okay, let's say Russia withdraws today. What exactly has Ukraine got left? Yeah, They've got a destroyed country. Who suffers? People. Because, again, realistically, most leaders, most... Um, decision makers um, in these these countries, they're not going to be in those countries when they retire. They are going to be living in other nations. They're going to be living in prosperous nations. They're not going to be without a home to live in. They don't ever need to be concerned about their welfare, their family's welfare, or ever think of work. Mm. So from a layman's point of view, people are the only ones who are talking about peace because there is, um, there is an element of fear. I mean, um, let's talk about a personal point of view. One does think, what kind of world will my grandchildren grow up? In? Yeah, that's a realistic fear. A few, maybe a few decades ago, one thought, not in my backyard, mm-hmm. but it is in my backyard now. <laughs> Ukraine is fourteen hundred miles from here. Yeah. Um, And that needs to be had. And again, to me, the most important point of this discussion is the fact that there is absolute absence of God Almighty.
0: And that's a good thing that you brought it back to this, because this one ties in with the second topic that we're talking about as well in the second half of the program after the news at five. But I want to ask you on this note. So for someone who doesn't know the correlation, for someone who doesn't know the link, what, how... Do you make that link between the belief in God and peace in the world? Because most of the people, when, when they think about peace in the world or how to establish peace in the world, they talk about negotiations, they talk about talks, they talk about uh, multilateral uh, contracts or what, whatever along these lines. So political solutions. How does religion tie into this?
2: Well, I, I think it would be unfair for me to talk of other religions. Let's talk about Islam. Sure. What's the picture of Islam out there in this world? Not a good one. Not a good one. So the person who's not aware of Islam, and we always, there's an element of blaming, there's a blame game. You know, in the, in the West that we live, we always blame mainstream media. But looking at it from an individualistic perspective, Muslims, the way sometimes they're portraying themselves with the terrorism, mm-hmm. with the aggression, with the, some if one some. was to go on to huge social media, mm-hmm. it's not a pretty picture. Because um, there, there is always, somewhere within the discussion, violence and war is spoken about and wiping out of other, um, other, uh, other religions, wiping out of other people, of other cultures and faiths, mm-hmm. is the end game. But when people do talk of the end game, then nobody talks of a peaceful endgame. Everybody talks of a bloody endgame. And this is where religion from an Islam Ahmadiyya point of view is so, so relevant. It's actually the only rational solution that is um, that if one was to think logically and rationally, and if you truly believe in peace... Mm then the solution of Hazrat Mirza al the the founder of the Amdi Muslim community on whom on whom be peace, it's the only thought process that works, from my point of view.
0: Derived from the teachings of Islam, of course. If
2: you want to attain peace, <laughs> yeah. the solution has to be peaceful. You can't say, well, I'm going to have a bloody end mm-hmm. and then I'm going to bring peace. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make sense.
0: Yeah.
3: Yes, just to add to what uh, Brother Kuyum has said there, um, uh, absolutely, uh, 100%, um, uh, you know, very hard to disagree with whatever you've said, uh, Brother Kuyum. But just to to make one more point, which is that um, you cannot have peace without unless you have peace within. Mm, True. So unless we are peaceful at heart, every single individual is at peace, Um, the family is at peace, something, again, we're about to talk about in the next segment. The family, which is the basic and most important unit of a society, that's at peace, the society will be at peace. And then the society will be at peace with themselves first. Then we can talk about, you know, peace in the world and peace,
2: peace without. And the most important aspect of what I was saying and what Brother Daniel has rightfully said, there needs to be leadership mm. and n- leadership, which is not based on politics, which is not based on finances, yeah. which is not based on um, on on anything worldly, but is based on justice, which is based on equity, which mm. is based on ethics, morals and values. And, and the problem in today's world is that when we talk of ethics, morals and values, people just look at you. S- Sneer and think, which world are you living in?
3: Exactly. That's exactly the response that you get yeah. when you're. Because that, those are the leaders that we see around us. Exactly. And, and, the, and actually, you know, they probably have a reason to because they don't know. Yes. They don't know better. That's right. They haven't seen better. Yeah. Uh, and But we do. We have seen that leadership. We do see that leadership um, uh, every day. And we've seen that leadership for over 150 years. Yes. Um, in this world where, you know, we have leaders who are all of those things, all, you know, leaders you can trust, leaders um, who are honest, leaders
2: who are benevolent. And, you know, one key thing that we always kind of miss. It is our responsibility to make sure that people have become aware because hmm. people who don't know. They're never gonna know. Yeah, you don't know. Unless what you don't we
0: know.
2: <laughs> unless we say to them, Well, this is yeah, out correct. there, this is the solution. Yeah. And please come and pick holes in it.
3: Yeah.
2: Because but the reason can't. the reason we yeah. believe, I can speak for myself. The reason I believe is because I thought, well, hold on. This may I got to an age in my life thirty odd years ago thinking, this makes sense. Hmm. Hmm. Rationally, logically. Hmm. Let's pick holes in it. And every time you picked a hole, somebody came and said, well, hold on. Hmm. Here, here's the answer. Hmm. So it's our responsibility to make sure that the the solutions and the way to the peace that we are going to be talking about for the next 40-odd minutes, it is an individualistic uh, uh, um, responsibility to take it forward.
3: One more point uh, uh, that I'd like to make before we... Um uh, play the <clears throat> whatever it is that we want to play mm-hmm. um, and it, I think that's very pertinent to um, to the topic we're discussing peace um, and that relates to the sermon of His Holiness Hazrat Mirza Masroor Ahmad the current head of the Ahmadiyya Muhammad, the, exactly the leadership we're talking about um, the sermon today in which he mm-hmm. talked about um, this prophecy that um that was revealed to the holy prophet of islam muhammad peace and blessings of allah be upon him um when muslims were in a very very weak position in uh, a small place called mecca which was in which was in a, which was uh, a land um which was a desert in in no man's land, mm. almost. And it still is, by the way. You know, if you go to Mecca, uh, Mecca is still a place which is in no no man's land. It is now obviously a developed city, but it's in the middle of nowhere. Mm. And at that time, so 1,500 years ago, you can imagine what it was and used to be like. And at that point, when Muslims were very weak and they were being persecuted by the Meccans, uh, God reveals to him that uh, in the land nearby, Persians... The Persian Empire is going to uh, going to defeat the Roman Empire. And on that day, you will be rejoicing in a victory of yours as well. And the God also revealed to him that that prophecy will be fulfilled within a period of three to nine years. And exactly nine years later, Muslims were celebrating the first battle, which was imposed on them, which was a very defensive battle, which was the Battle of Badr and they won that battle because of the support that they got from from Allah the Almighty but also they heard that um, uh, um, that as uh, uh, the, the other part of the prophecy was that that particular victory of the Persians over the Romans would be reversed by the um, by the Romans over the Persians the other significance of that victory was that at that time Meccans who were idolaters used to associate themselves, used to think that they were closer to the Persians because the Persians used to also worship the sun at that time. And the Romans were a Christian empire, were the people of the book, as the Quran calls them, and and Muslims um, used to uh, feel closer to them. And therefore, Meccans used that as an opportunity when the Persian empire defeated in a... a, um, in a very holistic and um, in, in, in the most dramatic manner that you can imagine, the, uh, the Roman Empire, the Meccans mocked at Muslims saying that, listen, you've seen this and the same is going to happen to you now. Um, you think your brothers are Christians mm. and now we're going to do the same with you. You're going to be annihilated. And Muslims were almost um, at that point of extinction because they were very weak at that point. Um and uh, and yet nine years later we see that prophecy being fulfilled, um, because a, 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 in a, in a sign that God God showed that peace in the world will now be established through this person of the, um, um, our dear Prophet Muhammad, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him.
0: And then we come to today, as Brother Moukiyum, you mentioned that if you think about Islam, if you think about Muslims, the picture that you get, uh, mainstream media, well, probably not as bad as it used to be a couple, you know, a decade ago or maybe a little bit further, but still is not the reality. So then you naturally ask that question that how comes that you, (laughs) as a Muslim radio station, are talking about peace, about giving solutions? Well, as we said, it's been almost it's it's been more than a hundred years since the passing of the Promised Messiah, the founder of the Alhamdulillah community, and it has been the Caliphs, the successors of the Promised Messiah, who have been shining the light for the entire world, from the first to the current Caliph Hazrat Mirza Masood Ahmed, may Allah strengthen his hand, and I think from 2003 up until now, so it's been 20 years, two decades. I don't think there has been any opportunity that he missed. There hasn't been any platform that he has been given where he hasn't spoken about how to achieve peace. Not just you know theoretical points or, yeah, oh. this was in the past and that's how it was. No. How do you do that today? When, Brother uh, Daniel, you mentioned it starts from within, mm-hmm. within your family unit, within yourselves. If you are not at peace with your own self, yeah. how can you... Radiate that guidance, that light, that you know, um, peace to other people. So we're going to listen to a clip of His Holiness uh, which is an address that he delivered at the Peace Symposium which happens every year here in the Batufu Mosque complex and this is from 2017. So th- six years ago he spoke about how to achieve peace, what are the means, what are the, the ways that we can go about doing that. And this is what he had to say.
4: Islam has enshrined the sanctity of human life in chapter 5 verse 33 of the holy quran which states whosoever killed a person it shall be as if he killed all mankind and whoso gave and whoso gave life to one it should be uh, it shall be as if he had given life to all mankind what a clear and categorical statement this is Often people query why there were wars in early Islam. Similarly, they ask why terrorism is being perpetrated in Islam's name. In order to answer this question, I always cite two verses of chapter 22 of the Holy Quran, where permission for a defensive war was first given to the early Muslims. In chapter 22 verse 40, Allah the Almighty states permission to fight is given to those against whom war is made because they have been wronged and Allah indeed has the power to help them. In the subsequent verse, the Quran outlines the reasons for which the Holy Prophet of Islam, peace be upon him, was granted permission to engage in warfare. Chapter 22 verse 41 states those who have been driven out of their homes unjustly only because they said our Lord is Allah and if Allah did not repel some men by means of others there would surely have been pulled down cloisters and churches and synagogues and mosques where the name of Allah is oft commemorated. and Allah will surely help one who helps him. Allah is indeed powerful mighty. What do these verses prove? Certainly, they do not give Muslims the license to inflict cruelties or to seek the blood of others. Instead, they establish the duty of Muslims to protect others religions and to guarantee the right of all people to believe in whatever they desire, free from any form of compulsion or duress. Hence, Islam is that religion which has forever enshrined the universal principle of freedom of religion, freedom of conscience, and freedom of belief. Therefore, if today there are so-called Muslim groups or sects that are killing people, it can only be condemned in the strongest possible terms. Their barbaric acts are a complete violation of everything that Islam stands for. Let it be clear that such people have no knowledge of the faith they claim to follow. For example, Mr. Seven Mary, a lawyer representing one of the terrorists involved in the Brussels and Paris terrorist attacks, recently gave an interview to a French newspaper in which he described his client as having no real knowledge of Islam. Indeed, when asked if he had ever read the Quran, His client readily admitted that he had not and had merely read an interpretation online. Furthermore, a research paper published by the Royal Institute for International Relations in March 2016 also concluded that the terrorists who identified themselves as Muslims had little or no knowledge of its teachings. Regarding the profile of young Muslims who have been radicalized and perpetrated attacks in the West, the report states their acquaintance with religion, thought is undoubtedly, undoubtedly more shallow and superficial than their predecessors, as is their acquaintance with international politics. Further says, injustice was often a starting point with their predecessors, journey towards extremism and terrorism. This has now largely been overshadowed by personal uh, estrangement and motives as the primary engines of their journey. Furthermore, in an essay cited in the Washington Post. The Belgian counter-terrorism official Ellen Grignard said, their revolt from society manifested itself through petty crime and delinquency. Many are essentially part of street gangs. What the Islamic State brought in its wake was a new strain of Islam which legitimize their radical approach. Thus, non-Muslim experts accept that the terrorists have established a new strain of Islam that can only be described as a reprehensible distortion of Islamic teachings. Those who have adopted this new strain and are mercilessly killing, maiming, and raping innocent people are, according to the Quran, guilty of murdering all of humanity. On the other side, it is also apparent that amongst non-Muslims there are certain individuals or groups who are fanning the flames of division and hostility and have made it their mission to unjustly defame and discredit the teachings of Islam. For example, in a column Published just last week in Foreign Policy, the journalist Bethany Allen has written about a a well-funded and sophisticated US-based network whose only purpose is to incite Islamophobia and to stop all attempts to promote the peaceful teachings of Islam. The Foreign Policy article states, a well-funded network is trying to strip the right to speak away from American Muslims and uh, fanning the politics of fear. America's far-right anti-Muslim ecosystem has adopted the same twisted interpretations of Islam that the Islamic State, ISIS, promotes. The author further writes that peaceful Muslims in the United States are the victims of an increasingly empowered industry of Islamophobia that constricts the space for balanced and open dialogue sidelining the very Muslims who are doing the most to promote peaceful Orthodox interpretations of Islam.
0: Alright, that was His Holiness, Hazrat Mirza Masood Ahmed, the current caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. Uh, May Allah strengthen his hand hand, talking about what the world is right now. And as he rightly mentioned, that distorted version of Islam that certain so-called, again, it's a very small group um, of people who have come up with this version of their own, where they justify the killing of innocent people, where they justify these terrorist attacks, which, again, have nothing, absolutely nothing to do with the real face, with the real teachings, with the real guidance that Islam has given to the world. What's the
2: topic of this hour's, what, what is it that, that we're discussing? Peace building. Mm. Peace? Now, we were just listening to His Holiness, Hazrat Masroor Imam, the fifth caliph of the promised messiah. It's, it's it's so important to to put together everything what we've said in just half an hour or so. Yes, we've spoken about the Holy Prophet may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him and the examples that um, um, Brother Daniel gave um, from the sermon of his holiness. But his holy, the Holy Prophet may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, also said and he prophesied there will come a time where the people who follow him, the people who believe in him, mm. <clears throat> will stray away from the true message of God Almighty and 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 the teachings of the Holy Prophet, May peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. And he spoke of a time and he spoke of certain events. He spoke of the, the, the state of the world, what it would be in. And... Me and Brother Raza, I remember going back maybe 18 months ago, maybe a little bit longer than that. We looked at different religions and scriptures, and the fascinating thing is, no matter which faith you look at, the majority of the world, if one was to look at people, are waiting for someone to come Hmm. and change the world, change the narrative, and and find solutions and in all the faiths there are specific signs of this one person that everyone's waiting for which is based on earthquakes and floods and wars and all these different natural disasters and how prophecies and prophecies and all what we're saying is that that one person who everyone's waiting for has already come and the message he brings is not of sword, it's not of wars, it's not of killing of any nations or religious beliefs. He doesn't talk of um, harming anyone. In fact, he talks of knowledge. He talks of unification. And that is the promised Messiah who established the Abdi Muslim community. And again, I'll go back to um, what, why we are here. When we talk of the voice of Islam, we are talking about the voice of the promised Messiah on whom be peace, who is reviving the authentic message that was brought to us or brought to the world by the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Based on the prophecy of the Holy Prophet himself, that will, a man will come in the latter days, who will revive the true message and he will unify everyone. Now, the question I would say to people of other faiths is the signs of the promised Messiah when he came are written in your scriptures, are written, are are, are clearly written. And the question to ask oneself, again, as individuals, is what if it's written in my book yet... It applies to a person of to a different faith. What would you do?
0: Indeed, a question that one needs to uh, ask oneself. Um, for me, the surprising part is that you remember that this happened 18 months ago. Anyways, <laughs> the the founder <laughs> of the Yemeni Muslim community, Hazrat <laughs> Muzah Ghulam Ahmed, um, it's also interesting to, to note that the last book that he wrote was called The Message of Peace. Do you know that? Mm. and in that he writes my countrymen a religion which does not inculcate universal compassion is no religion at all similarly a human being without the faculty of compassion is no human at all our god has never discriminated between one people and another this is illustrated by the fact that all the potentials and capabilities which have been granted to the audience have also been granted to the races inhabiting arabia persia syria china japan europe and america The earth created by God provides a common floor for all people alike, and His sun and moon and many stars are a source of radiance and provide many other benefits to all alike. Likewise, all people benefit from the elements created by Him, such as air, water, fire, and earth, and similarly from other products created by Him, like (coughs) grain, fruit, and healing agents, etc. These attributes of God teach us the lesson that we too should behave magnanimously, magnanimously and kindly towards our fellow human beings and should not be petty of heart and illiberal. So this is a whole book. It's a very short book. I mean, roughly 40, pa- 50 pages. But in that, the last message that he gave to members of his community, as well as you know, addressing his countrymen and people of other religions, was that we share this world. And if we do not come along, if we do not get along, if we don't come together and and talk about the things that we have in common, regardless of what religion you have. there is always this this common factor that we all have the belief in a higher being, the belief in a deity, the belief in God in Allah, in you know whatever you want to call um god or or, or that higher power that is something that we all have in common, so based on that we need to come together and re- regardless of what our differences are we need to have a common goal and that at the moment that is unfortunately what is lacking if we have geopolitical interests if we have oh how can i acquire that and that persons or that country's wealth these are the issues that are plaguing in the world plaguing the world right now the global economic impact of violence um, just alone just that increased by $1 trillion uh, to $17.5 trillion in last year alone. Which is, if you think about it, it's a 13% of the global GDP. Then you have, you know, we mentioned Ukraine, but you also have the issues in Myanmar, in Syria, in Ethiopia, you, you, South Africa, you name it. As I said, it's gone up so drastically but what exactly is the solution that's something that we're trying to tell you that come back coming back to the creator coming back to one 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 issue or one factor that we all have in common that's something that will and can create that peace
2: you know you talk about coming back to god and and the thought comes to mind in the world we're living in religion and coming back to god isn't just chapter and verse hmm. It's the interpretation of that chapter and verse.
0: And it's and to into date practice the, that exactly.
2: Chapter. That's the thing. The interpretation of chapter and verse to date across all faiths is sometimes taken in a literal manner. And it's very limited. It's very compartmentalized. Something I me and Rosa talk about for a long time is when we talk of faith. People separate faith and God from the everyday living. Mm. Mm. It's like, well, now it's for me to live, so I will leave God at home. Mm. Or I will leave God, or I will, I will talk to God in my few minutes of praying. Because that's what my faith is. Me praying and giving lip service. Because end of the day, no matter where we go today, um, that's the the mindset of people. Because they see a lot of people believing in God, mm. yet the same people who are believing in God and telling everybody they believe in God, when it comes to practice, they're not practicing what they're preaching. Mm.
3: Yes, absolutely, Roderick. I will go one step further, actually, and I'd say. That um, yes, this is this is you're talking about the people of faith. Mm. What is happening today in the world is that the world in general is living in a state of denial. They are in a state of denial when it comes to the importance that religion can actually play in achieving peace in their lives. Um, you talked about, uh, Brother Raza talked about the importance of recognizing your creator people are trying to achieve peace within through money and the objects that the the new iPhone or the new car or the new house that that can afford you or going to the gym or drugs or other things Uh, apparently that's failing, that's quite obviously failing and then for peace without, we are for peace in the world we are or people are looking towards their politicians, towards the system, as we call it. A lot of people, especially in the West, trust the system. Um, a lot of people in the West still trust the media. Um, and, and they believe that, yes, the system will course correct itself and the system will be able to achieve. Well, the system didn't course correct itself at least twice in the last century. And we had these these great wars. Hmm. And unfortunately, the situation now appears to be ripe, as His Holiness, Hazat Meza again has been warning, that the world is heading to again towards an abyss. And the solution to achieving peace is not in money, is not in going to the gym, is not buying this new object, is not, is not going to come through, through your politicians or the media or the system. It is only going to come when you recognize the importance of 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 the creator in your life but i want to go
2: deeper than that right when i look at people from all faiths one of the reasons why people stay away from faith or are even scared is because the creator is spoken about as the punisher mm. Mm-hmm. Not as the one who loves and forgives. That, yeah. That's your interpretation of it. That, 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 but, but that, if, that's if, what the creator has been
3: presented as. But because by, he's presented... by the Even by the people of faith, unfortunately. Mostly
2: by the people yeah. of faith. That he will punish you if you do this. Yeah, yeah. You have done this. You have, Yet, we talk about, in the name of Allah, most gracious, ever merciful. Hmm. Where is punishment in there? Yeah, there's a merciful
3: God, yeah, absolutely.
0: God
2: is merciful and loving. It's a misunderstanding that when, even
0: even amongst Muslims, when you say about taqwa, taqwa means basically righteousness. In other words, the fear of God.
2: Yep. But the fear of God isn't that he's going to send you, he's going to slap you around the head. Yeah. Fear of God is he's going to stop loving you. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
3: Uh, Absolutely. I was about to say that. So the fear is, you know, when you fear, when you love somebody, uh, you you almost you also fear them yes because you fear losing that love yeah
2: if a child was to be told don't go into that room because yeah. there's a ghost in it correct or there's some there's something a child's not going to go there yeah. because you you persistent on mm-hmm. telling them don't go there is something bad there punishment is bad
3: yeah yeah
2: so I will stay away from it so if yeah. God is going to be portrayed in the wrong manner then people will go away from. That narrative. And and what we're saying here on Voice of Islam is God is loving. Mm. He's beneficent. He's merciful. He's all, He is all-knowing.
0: And and that is exactly what the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah said. In one of his narrations, he said that the, the perception of God that you have, or the God, if, if you think of a certain way of God Almighty, let's say he's you know the punisher. Mm. He's the one who takes revenge. He's the one who kills and what. Then that's the God that will that he will become for you. Yes. But if you think of him as a, as a merciful God, if you think of him as a compassionate, as a benevolent God, as your friend, then that is the God that he will become for you. you when you mention friend, I believe it's it's from the time of uh, Prophet Moses, peace, and bless, uh, peace, be, peace be upon him, where there was a saint but actually I don't know I'll I'll take that back maybe you guys can correct me but there was a saint where there was someone who was talking to God and he was talking to God in a way that oh god if you were here I would I would brush the your she- hair uh, uh, in, a in, a in a forest it was in a forest it was herder, a sheep was I think it yeah. was a yes. sage yeah. who was, yes. yes. was sitting yeah. under a tree yeah exactly okay. so if you were here I would yeah. brush your comb, uh, I would comb your hair mm. you know I would uh, clean your feet or what like like a friend would do yeah. someone yeah. Uh, to, 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 his, to his exactly. <laughs> so, Prophet Moses was like, how dare you speak about God like that? You know, God doesn't have hair, God doesn't have feet and this and that. And it was in that moment that God spoke to them and said, who are you to stand between me and my my, my servant? Yeah. So, God, if we consider him, if we think of him, if we fear him like a, like a mon- monstrous being, like a tyrant, then, yeah, well, that's the concept that you will have in your head for the rest of your life. But,
2: and That's in, in the addition to these the, this, the, these definitions and narratives we create, we're so busy in talking about heaven and hell. Yeah. Mm. And my question to everyone who talks about heaven and hell is, please introduce me to someone who's been there, come back, and I told you what heaven and hell is like. Because... Mm because these people are busy trying to make this world
3: a hell exactly <laughs> all in an effort all in an effort of trying to convince everybody that they will be heaven afterwards but you don't uh, you know our belief as uh, as uh, the promised messiah has repeatedly stated is that the people who are of God get heaven in this very life
2: exactly that, exactly. that you know, if you living in heaven now why would you not think that this is going to be continuous
3: afterlife
2: yeah. rational thinking would be this is going to be a continuous and the, the notion of i'm living in hell how many people say that everyone i know says i'm living in hell because th- nobody is content no one's happy everybody talks of momentary happiness nobody looks for fulfillment yeah. and contentment
0: up next we're going to play another clip of his holiness and this is from this year's peace and Simpo- national peace symposium uh where his holiness Ahmed addressed the audience which again consists of many people from different walks of life you have politicians you have CEOs, scientists and and whatnot also from religious background and um, this year he addressed them again and this is what he had to say
4: it is not possible." fulfill the rights of Allah the Almighty or attain his nearness without fulfilling the rights of our fellow human beings and all of God's creation. True Muslims therefore live their lives peacefully and seek to propagate peace, tolerance, and mutual understanding in society. Indeed, Amdi Muslims believe that the founder of our community was sent by Allah the Almighty to draw the attention of mankind towards these core fundamental Islamic principles. Of fulfilling the rights of worship of God Almighty, fulfilling the rights of humanity, and seeking to spread peace and harmony throughout the world. He bequeathed us to us a legacy of peace by making it clear that there is a direct correlation between the worship of God Almighty and fulfilling the rights of mankind. This is something to keep in mind as we gather in this building that stands adjacent to the main mosque and so forms part of the mosque complex. Mosques are built for the worship of Allah the Almighty. And it is stated in the Holy Quran that if a person does not fulfil the rights of God's creation, their prayers and worship will be rejected. Indeed, the Quran states that the worship of those who fail to pay heed to other people's rights will be the means of their downfall and humiliation, rather than the means of their salvation. Furthermore, it is essential to note that Muslims are commanded to build their mosques in the direction of the Holy Kaaba, the sacred house of Mecca, and to worship towards it. Yet, it is not enough to merely turn one's physical direction towards the Holy Kaaba. Rather, Muslims and their mosques must fulfill the objectives of the Kaaba, outlined in Chapter 3, verse 98 of the holy quran where it states that whosoever enters the sacred house of allah enters peace the, this quranic verse means that a true muslim upon entering a mosque shall himself enter a state of peace and shall be by fulfilling the rights and commands of god prove a beacon of peace and security for others. All our mosques spiritually mirror the Holy Kaaba, wherein they serve not only as an abode of worshipping God Almighty, but are also a means of fulfilling the rights of mankind and establishing peace in the world. As Muslims, we pray five times a day, and in each prayer, it is incumbent upon us to recite the first chapter of the Holy Qur'an. In its second verse, Allah the Almighty proclaims that He is the Lord of all the worlds and all of all people. He is not just the provider and sustainer of Muslims, but He provides for and sustains Christians, Jews, Hindus, Six and indeed people of all religions and beliefs. He grants them life and He fulfills their basic needs through His grace and compassion. Consequently, from the very start of the Holy Quran, Muslims are taught that the fundamental pillar of Islamic teaching is that a sincere Muslim must never harm the people of other faiths or religions harbor any form of hatred, or speak ill of them in any way as we are all the creation of God Almighty. Indeed, it is our conviction and teaching that Allah the Almighty fulfills the needs of those who do not appreciate His grace and reject His very existence. Not only does He provide for them but He also grants them the fruits of their labour. This is the concept of the All-Merciful God in whom we believe. Surely, those who have faith in such a gracious God can never seek to undermine the peace and well-being of others. Thus, it is purely to attain the nearness and love of such a benevolent and loving God that the Ahmadiyya Muslim community strives to foster peace and harmony around the world. Ever since our community was founded in the late 19th century, alongside inviting others towards God's uh, God Almighty, we have consistently practiced and preached a message of mutual understanding and tolerance and sought to establish true peace in the world.
0: And that's exactly what we have been trying to tell you, that this is not just all talk over the last hundred plus years. This is a record of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community that we have established. And, well, we're humbled, we're also quite proud of that, that it's not just all in books that we find this teaching, but we put it into practice, led, as always,
2: by the successors (coughs) over the years. You know, I'll repeat it, I'm sure Um, I won't get tired of saying it and I think everyone should kind of get used to uh, me saying it, that the founder of the Abdiya Muslim community, who we believe is the second coming, who we believe is the promised Messiah, and if one was to look at the signs, the prophecies um, of the time when he claimed to be the Messiah, then what you will find is that his advent has been prophesied in all major religions of the world and, and the reformer of the latter days. And I don't think there isn't anybody on this earth who thinks rationally would say that if there was ever a need for a reformer, mm. it, is, it has been, you know, now. It is now. And and I'll finish with by, by saying, you know, um, but by the saying of the promised Messiah himself, he writes, um, a religion which does not inculcate universal compassion mm-hmm. is no religion at all. Similarly, a human being without the faculty of compassion is no human mm. at all. I mean, if one was to read between the lines, he's talking about peace. He's not talking about war. He's not talking about any kind of bloodshed. He's talking about compassion. And he's talking about humanity. Which ultimately leads to
1: peace. peace.
3: My two cents on that would be that um, I would say find your creator. Find, um, you know, if if you don't want to talk about a sect or a denomination or a religion, develop a relationship right. with your creator find your creator talk to him he will talk back to you that's our belief because if in, he in it, fact we're the only ones it, absolutely because our belief is that if he used to talk <coughs> for 1500 years ago 2000 years ago 3000 years ago he still talks because all his faculties are eternal yeah. um, so talk to him he will respond uh, develop a relationship with your creator but to add to what you were saying brother qayyum absolutely look into the claim of the promised messiah hazrat mirza gulam ahmed who we believe is the prophet of this age a person has come has come uh, and and gone more than 125 years ago and his community is growing there there are proofs all around just look into it just think about it just look at those proofs because we have the answers we have the answers. The promised Messiah's books have the
2: answers to the to your questions. You, you know, one thing again. This is a personal perspective. Chapter and verse. I myself, when when I when I read history, when I, and I learn new things every day. And within the belief of Ahmadiyya, one thing that I have found, and no one's been able to to say otherwise, the rationality. Mm. And that's what people look at. People who are not, even people who don't believe, who who don't, you know, read the Bible, the Torah, the Holy Quran, they they don't want to listen to chapter and verse. They want to listen to rationality. They want to listen to, they want to look at science. The, The, and, and that's where the key is within the Amdi Muslim community and, and uh, the true meaning of Islam that was brought to us by the promised Messiah. Because
3: we, we are
2: the only community
3: which has been able to marry religion and science. We believe science is a component uh, yes. of life and yes. therefore there is no contradiction between the word of God and the work of
0: God. And there's your segue. Marriage, That's which is right. coming up in the second half of the program. But before we go to the news, just a quick one. On Instagram, our uh, Instagram story, we're asking the question, according to the Global Peace Index, which is the least peaceful country in the world? Is it Afghanistan? Is it Yemen? Is it Syria? Or is it the Ukraine? You're listening to The Voice of Islam today with Masav Reza, Brother Kiyum, and Brother Daniel. We're going to go to the 5 o'clock news and then we'll be back after that. There's one more clip that we want to play, so we'll do that right after the news. Don't go anywhere. Stay with us.
4: In short... The disorder taking place these days in the world, whether on a national or international scale, is based upon just one factor, and that is a complete lack of justice, which is causing anxiety and restlessness to develop. The question arises that how can the present situation in the world be resolved? I have given the answer to this earlier when quoting the writing of the founder of the Amja Community, in which he advised us to establish a relationship with God and exhibit the truth. It is with great regret that I have to say that leaving aside the materialistic people, some of those who claim to follow religion and in fact those who claim to represent Islam are actually spreading religious fanaticism. However, in spite of this, it does not follow that having a relationship with God is not the solution. The Ahmadiyya community claims, and indeed those who are closely associated with us are witness to this, that not only do we raise a slogan for peace, but in fact, we make practical efforts to establish tolerance, peace, and patience, so that the true teachings of Islam are correctly followed and so that that attaining God's pleasure is given precedence. Whenever our community is caused emotional suffering or pain, we exhibit patience and tolerance. When we are deprived of our due rights as a citizen, we display patience and tolerance. When financial harm is purposely inflicted upon us, we display patience and tolerance. When our properties and possessions are looted or destroyed, we display patience and tolerance. Even when our lives are taken, we display patience and tolerance. In Pakistan, we are forbidden from practicing our religion, but despite this, We do not create any disorder. In May last year, 86 Ahmadi Muslims were martyred whilst offering their Friday prayers. We bore this tragedy with patience. In Indonesia, our Ahamadis were recently martyred in most barbaric and cruel manner. We did not respond violently, nor did we conduct any covert attacks. Nevertheless, the Ahmadis living in Pakistan, Indonesia, and other countries are still citizens of those countries. The Ahmadis are also from among the same local people and groups. Those Ahmadis are from the same societies where all of this terrorism is taking place. If not openly, then secretly some of our members could have carried out undesirable or unpleasant activities, but we have never displayed a harsh reaction or wrong response of any kind because we have been taught to adopt patience and tolerance. We have always implemented the teachings uh, the teaching of uh, teachings of Islam that you should never take the law into your own hands and always keep the best interest of your country in view and never create disorder because this is a requirement of true love for your country. Wherever in the world Ahmadis reside, no matter which country they originate from, be they Asian or African or Arab or European or American, their behavior is always the same. For the sake of attaining Allah's pleasure. They always steer clear of all forms of disorder. And this is the conduct that one day will not only save the world from anarchy, in fact, it will be the guarantor for world peace. Today, the world is in desperate need that it should adopt this attitude at every level of recognizing its Creator and fulfilling the rights due to His creation. The people of the world should not only be concerned for their own rights, but should also look at their own obligations and be concerned for the welfare of others. This principle should apply at an individual level, a national level, and an international level, and it should be adopted by national leaders and should also be observed by the major nations of the world. Without this, Any effort that takes place will have only temporary effect and will not guarantee permanent peace. It is my prayer that the desire both you and I hold for peace to be established in the world is soon uh, achieved. At the end, I would like to once again thank all of you from the bottom of my heart for having enlightened this evening and listen to my words. Thank you.
0: All right, that was His Holiness, hadith Mizam Masood the current Caliph of the Ahmadiyya community at the Peace Symposium in 2011. And I'm sure you get the picture now that everything that His Holiness was talking about is not just lip service. I would like to end this part of the program uh, with, again, from a small uh, quote of the book of The Promised Messiah, the founder of the Ahmadiyya community, um, uh, peace be upon him uh, from the book Message of Peace now he does talk about the relationship between Hindus and Muslims but that was you know, prevalent at that time but if you apply it to today uh, it can have you know it, it includes all the religions and every people of the world he says in precarious times such as these I invite you to truce as reconciliation is urgently required by both nations many calamities befalling the world there are earthquakes and there are famines. Over and above the earthquakes and famines, we continue to be plagued by the bubonic pestilence. Moreover, the divine revelations which God God has conveyed to me further confirm that if people do not mend their evil ways and practices, and do not repent their sins, the world will be further visited by other severe calamities. One misery will not end before another follows. Eventually, people will reach the, will reach the end of their tether. And will wonder what is happening to them And what next is in store for them They will be pushed to the edge of their senses By calamity upon calamity So take heed my countrymen Before such evil days confront you It is highly essential that Hindus and Muslims Should come to terms with each other And if either of the two parties is guilty of such Excesses as obstruct the path of peace They are better advised to desist From pursuing that course Otherwise the entire blame for the sin of mutual enmity Will be borne by the faulting party so, it is not without consequences. God Almighty has sent His prophet, has sent His Messiah to this day and age. The people of the world, you know, if you know about Him, if you've learned about Him, then it is your duty to look into it. But if we don't take heed, then as the promised Messiah, uh, peace be upon Him, says, there will be consequences, consequences that we will not be able to handle. We're gonna take a short break here, and then we'll be back with uh, the second topic about marriages. If you have any concerns, any questions, any comments, then do feel uh, feel free to give us a call: zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight.
2: You're listening to The Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day.
0: O ye people, fear your Lord who created you from a single soul, and of its kind created its mate. And from them twain spread many men and women, and fear Allah in whose name you appeal to one another, and fear him particularly respecting ties of kinship. Verily, Allah watches over you. O ye who believe, fear Allah, and say the straightforward word— He will set right your actions for you and forgive you your sins. And whoso obeys Allah and his Messenger shall surely attain a supreme triumph. O ye who believe, be mindful of your duty to Allah and let every soul look to what it sends forth from the morrow. And fear Allah, verily Allah is well aware of what you do. Now these are three different verses from three different chapters that are recited at the announcement of every Muslim nikah. For the benefit of our listeners, brothers, what is a nikah?
3: So a nikah is the announcement of um, the institution of marriage yeah. in Islam. This is the legal document um, that needs to be signed in the presence of witnesses that a marriage is being um, solemnized mm. between um, uh, two consenting two consenting adults.
0: Now, and these verses you will notice, you would have noticed that it talks about the fear of God Almighty, talks about saying the right word, and for us, these are the ones that are the building blocks of a marriage. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah, be upon him, said that marriage is my precept and my practice. Those who do not follow my practice are not of me. And when a man has married, he has completed one half of his religion. However, The situation that we are in at the moment, not just here in the UK, but around the world is uh, a little bit different (laughs) because marriage is on the decline. In 2020 marriages were affected by the COVID-19 pandemic because of the temporary closures of wedding venues or registration offices you're also allowed only to have a handful of people um at your uh, wedding etc etc and all of these may have had an impact just to give you numbers before brother Kuyum takes over here there <laughs> were <laughs> That's unfair 85,770 marriages in total, 85,000, is not even 100,000, in England and Wales in 2020, which is a decrease of, here we go, 61%, not 50, 61%. Because uh, the year before, in 2019, you had 219,850 marriages registered in England and Wales. Now, this is the lowest number of marriages on record since 1838.
3: Right, absolutely. And let me give you another statistic because somebody might um, come back and say that this uh, is because of the pandemic. The year before, until, until 20, so um, in the last 30 years, from 2019 backwards, the institution of marriage declined by half. So from 36 per 1000 people in 1992 to 18 per 1000 people in 2019 so that takes away the um uh, the effect of the pandemic and this number which is 18 individuals or uh, per 1000 in 2019 getting married is the lowest number since 1888 hmm. and we're um,
0: talking about the classic old school marriage between a man and a woman from a- the opposite sex. Absolutely. And there we go.
3: About to take over. Yes. The, the, go The for reason it, man. is
2: the lowest number of marriage since 1838 because in <coughs> 1837, I used to keep the records. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: I like where this is going.
0: <laughs> well, hold on. That's our job, isn't it? And no, no, no. no yes. See, you can't yes. do that. No, He's no. Before you two got into no, it, no, I no. thought no. I have to. He's have accepted to. it. He's <laughs> accepted it. <laughs> that's good.
2: But, you know, statistics say a lot Um, in in a few lines a lot of people a lot of people are scared of getting married now Hmm. and I think um, it isn't about divorce I know we talk about divorce and breakup and whatnot, but today what we're going to be discussing is why there's a decline decline, why people are not Hmm. actively um, looking to um, get married Hmm. what are the reasons what comes to your mind and well it it's it's connected to what we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. That people are now looking at property ownership, people look at affordability, people look at uh You cost. can have property ownership as um
3: as a as a no, no. couple, as oh, a no no.
2: You see um, as do individuals. The, st- the statistic I was talking about earlier, mm-hmm. which brother, Rosa mentioned, that it's, uh, it's it's you know it's it's something that uh, we were going to be talking about. That the first, um, the average, the av- the, uh, the average age of a first-time buyer in this country is thirty-seven, mm-hmm. and the average age of a person who gets married, a man who gets married, is thirty-three, and uh, is around is the it's same same yeah. kind of age group. Correct, and. So so people don't look to make a commitment until they think they are secure. Hmm. They think financial security is the one and all before they get married. Whereas security needs to be looked for elsewhere. Contentment, happiness, mindsets are not based, should not be based on materialism, should not be based on um, on how much money you have in the bank, what the number of properties you own, what car you drive. But that would, I, you know, let me slightly challenge that.
3: That would should dictate that the number of marriages of people over 40 or over 37 should rise. But that also isn't happening, is it? Because once you own a property, Because then they're divorced by, logic, by then. <laughs> <laughs> well it is the, the the rate of divorce is no if you are never married how can you <laughs> be divorced so um yeah but you know i, I hear you i think i think the the uh, it's 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 probably easier There's, it's just easier yeah. to cohabit um, and uh, society's norms have changed tremendously as well yeah it's it's acceptable not only easier it's also acceptable now in the society and 30 40 years ago it was looked down yeah. upon not anymore and it's it's also uh, ex- perfectly acceptable uh, to have children i i don't know i mean this is an islamic uh, radio station i but I, I would really look uh, uh, like to look at the Oxford Dictionary, uh, and I probably should have, to look at the meaning of the word illegitimate, illegitimate child. I don't know what, what the meaning of an illegitimate child is anymore.
0: It's just uh, a, a child born out of wedlock. That's probably more uh, information that you could find on that. And and I do have some information that I came across, which is also quite interesting. But again, to, to, to tell you that this is a global phenomenon, this is a global problem. Um, here in the UK children born out of wedlock the number is 52% in it's the rising. european un- union it's for, uh, it's uh, uh, around 45 or 42% in the in the united states it's 30% however if we go to japan and the southeast um, uh, southeastern countries over there it's 2.3% 2.3%. So it's 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 almost you know impossible to find someone or to find a child that is born out of wedlock. So
2: so, so, so ethics still, morals and values have been diluted, redefined that's exactly looked it. upon in a different way.
3: No, that's exactly it. Sorry guys, just sorry to, uh, to come in here because I've just opened up Oxford dictionary and I've looked up the the word uh, the word illegitimate, And the meaning it says is uh, one is not authorized by the law. And the second is not in accordance with accepted standards and rules. But if you accepted standards and
0: rules have
3: changed is a constantly changing goalpost, then then obviously anything goes.
0: And so there's multiple reasons why. I mean you when you talk about buying a house, the financial side of things, it's a very, very important factor. Nobody's denying that. It's the most important factor. Uh, I think the, the the change of the norms and the society and what is acceptable and what not. It's 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 I think it it's it's heavier because when we spoke about God and religion kind of diminishing from society and from people's lives, that has a huge contribution. No, but this is my
2: point that they're looking for security in money, whereas security is given by God Almighty. Yeah. So, if but if there's out, an absence of God, exactly, then of go. course money becomes God. Yes. yes, of course,
3: no two things about that. Absolutely. So well, the
0: expectations that 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 people and society have, let's say, thirty years ago, forty years ago, mm. if there were uh, two people, and we're talking about you know this society, not not a Muslim society, not a Muslim environment, when thirty forty years ago people were dating here or they were seeing each other, they were in a relationship you always have this expectation so when are you going to tie the knot mm. or where is this leading to and there was always this 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 possibility that in the next couple of months weeks whatever they will ask or pop the question but that doesn't exist anymore you also have people preferring their personal freedom why should i get into you know this this system of marriage and have my hands tied again the financial side plays also mm. into this because mm. once you go separate ways What's going to happen with the money? That's also something that people don't want to get into. It, I was
3: actually reading up on this, and uh, I came, came across quite a few articles. This this one that I'm going to uh, talk about is from Express. There was a similar one in, in Telegraph as well, which talked about this misconception, which also exists among some women and some couples, that they have the same rights per the law uh, wh- if they cohabit versus getting married, which is not the case. Hmm. The, the rights are entirely different. And especially the protection that women get in this country under law, if you're married, is a lot more than you get only when you cohabit.
0: One important thing that I found was, I think, and that's something that we would like to talk about with uh, our guest here in the studio, is the lack of married role models.
5: Mm.
0: When you see the news... No, I mean, look, when, when, when I talk about role models, we have these well, football players, we have these A-listers and Hollywood stars and whatnot. So, I mean, they are in, in the public limelight and that's where the younger generation or people generally, they, they look up to and they, they see them. Do you, like, can you think of a couple, can you think of someone who has been married for, I don't know, 20 years and that have an impact on the next generation, that have an impact on people? That could be classified, could be labeled as, you know, role models. It's
2: very difficult to come up with. Yeah. but but I think that's the problem. We shouldn't be looking outside. N- I'm, and, and I'm, 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 and, and I I'm think talking this about generation. the world. No, in no, general. General. I'm, I'm just talking I'm,
3: about exactly gen- society in general. Society in general. The role models yeah. that they that they have. Those are. The, I, I those can think people. of
0: Ronaldo and, and 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 Messi, maybe right. Well, you R&B's, can think of Beckham. Beckham's been Beckham. married yes, forever. Yes, exactly. You know? But those guys are old school now. But the, but this. Is, oh, I'm going to make a lot of enemies on this one. You are. Yeah. Um, anyways, I think we're going to continue and we're going to bring it back home here. We've spoken but you, but about... If you, yeah, but,
3: but if you disagree with Brother Azar, and if you, if you think he's your enemy, please call in to, to announce that. I love Beckham. Zero to, <laughs> zero I,
0: want to I want to bring it back. I want to bring it... back.
2: 687 I <laughs> want to bring it back to the topic that we are here to discuss, no, which no, is hold on. the decline.
0: We, we have... Listen, I think we need to move on. We know the problem. We know is there is a
2: decline
4: the, the, the reasons marriage. that we just outlined right, right? <laughs> so we know the issues we know the
0: problems what's the solution right th- we're thank not thank here you, to brother, talk about th- thank you for 23 minutes l- about problems for man. not
3: allowing
2: nah. brother kayun to take over today uh, uh, amazing i, I yeah. officially i am your friend <laughs> <laughs> i'm being gagged and i don't mind because we have a, 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 a guest in the studio yes. who needs to be spoken to urgently
0: now, joining us here in the studio is uh, Mr. Nisar Orchard. He's the National Secretary for Moral Training in the Executive Council of the Amity Muslim Community in the UK. And he's also a counsellor for couples uh, and parents uh, who advises them, who counsels them before these couples they embark on their journey of marriage. Mr. Orchard, assalamu alaikum and welcome to the Draft Time Show. Sure. Wa Alaikum Asalaam, Thank you for having me again. And oh, it's jazakulah. good to be here. Thank you very much for joining us today. Um, now, as I mentioned, you counsel uh, these couples, these young couples uh, and their parents as well. So it's not just those two individuals, uh, I believe. It's also you know the parents of both the, the girl and the boy. Why is there a need for counseling for couples before they embark on, on getting married? We live in a time where everything is available. If I want to find out what's good for a marriage,
2: how to raise a baby, how to build a car, I can find that and online. If I may... I'll add on to that. If they need counselling, that means they're not ready for marriage?
6: Or am I reading yeah, it completely wrong? I was just about to address that, mm-hmm. actually, because I think counselling the wrong word. Because okay. to me, counselling gives you the perception that something's gone wrong already. Exactly. <laughs> it's yeah. an education. Okay. It's like anything else. When you embark on any kind of journey, you need to be trained, you need to be educated. Mm-hmm. So, hence, I would substitute the word counselling. But but I do post-counselling, post-managed <laughs> counselling. You can use that word there yeah, yeah. when yeah. things don't go quite according to plan. Yeah, and And... Probably most marriages, they do, yeah. But it's the making up part that that's the best. <laughs> so,
3: so, yeah. So if if I can ask you two questions, right. Number one, um, what advice do you give generally to couples and to to their parents when they are about to get married, to get married?
6: Well, first of all, I want to rewind. I did listen to your first part of the show, okay? <laughs> now, to me, I feel that the exchanges that you were having, you're kind, of, you're kind of painting marriage as doom and gloom, yeah, okay? It's not really the case because... Oh, I'm not saying it doesn't happen, okay? But, you know, you only tend to hear of the unfortunate uh, stories. Yes, but to yeah. me, I would say for every... One unfortunate story is there's a thousand good stories out there which we don't really want to know about, do we? Because it doesn't really contain that level of of gossip or spice or whatever, or or did you hear about them, you Mm -hmm. know? So please keep that in mind, okay? Because there are a lot of healthy marriages out there as well, and there's probably a lot of healthy couples listening to this and saying, "What are they talking about? You know, get me on that show now, okay?" So please. Okay, but sorry, I forgot your questions now. Oh, the advice. So, what do you?
3: What would you say to somebody who is about to get
6: married and is listening to your show today? Well, when myself and my team do this pre marriage counselling, you know. To education. me, it's like an education. It's like probably the education that in the Catholic Church, that's what they get. They, they get two weeks of it, I believe, of education, of counselling. Right. I can't remember the exact word they use. Whereas we, within our community, we get one hour, okay, yeah. yeah. We have to try to squeeze everything in that one hour. But the thing is, um, to be honest, um, Mr. Raza, he started off with, the, as he mentioned, the Islamic nikah, which is the Islamic marriage uh, uh, the vows that are made between husband and wife if you look at the general vows in a christian marriage you know to love and to cherish in health and in sickness okay it's more or less the same kind of thing so i would say that to try to try to answer your question couples when before they embark on the lovely journey of marriage okay that they should they should study the actual vows themselves and understand uh, before they say yes to each other, what they're ready to commit to each other? Are they ready for it? Because they do have that opportunity to say no. I'm not ready for this. To step back rather than going into the marriage with their, with a bit of unsurety Okay, so I always tell them that always study the nikah sermon or the or any other vows that they commit themselves to each other before they embark on that journey. I think that completely goes out the window because of all these pitfalls that do enter into marriage see these pitfalls are damaging but at the same time I try to a bit of reverse psychology in a couple I say look whenever you face a difficulty regard it as an opportunity that is presented your way for you to overcome that you to overcome that challenge for you to become a better person or for you to become a better person to your partner
3: if I can now come to my second question, uh, Mr. Orchard, and, and that question is then about you know these difficulties. So, so what sort of pitfalls? What sort of problems do you generally find among couples when you um, when you
6: hear of problems within marriage? There's many of them, but I've got my top four. <laughs> right. Okay, my my Champions League spots. Okay, the top <laughs> four. Okay, number one. or oh, the fourth one is the most important one. It's a lack of righteousness, okay? And I'm not a self-righteous person, by the way, by saying that, okay, right? But righteousness, you know, as Mr. Raza would verify with me, is the foundation of Islamic marriage. That word is mentioned five times in that nikah sermon. To me, they forget about it. They should always be reminded about it. But my top four, going back to my top four, <laughs> number one is parents, okay? Parents tend to be interfering, okay? Right. That tends to rear its ugly head quite a lot, okay? Parent interference, okay? You know, we should always respect our parents, but at the same time parents should keep a healthy distance. <coughs> it's very, very difficult for yeah. parents to find to to identify that fine dividing line between what is interference and what is guidance, okay? So you have to give a bit of, you know, um, leeway to the parents as well, because naturally parents will always want to guide their children, okay? Mm. But sometimes they overstep the mark without actually realizing it. Number two is anger. (laughs) Anger. Everyone's got anger. I've got anger. You've got anger, but you have to control your anger. I mean, why am I saying this? Because this Tends to come up quite a lot when I try to do a reconciliation session. Oh, he or she just blows up at every small little thing. Mm. You know, it takes one second to to make misery of the of the um, home atmosphere. And but by being angry at each other, shouting at each other, raising your voice at each other, then after that, it may take hours, days, weeks, months to rebuild those bridges. Number three is your, you're going to laugh at this, your mobile phone, okay? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not joking. It comes up so often. Oh, he's always on his mobile phone, never gives me enough quality time, and vice versa as well. They tend to take their mobile phones to bed with them these days rather than their partners, you know? So that's one bedroom secret I tell to everyone. (laughs) Keep your mobile phone, especially out of the main bedroom, okay? There's no place for your mobile phone. And I'm serious about it as well. And also, there's other aspects of mobile phones, and that it raises suspicion and doubt as well. Sometimes, like, who are you calling, and so forth. Let me see your mobile phone. So there are. We can go into it, but mobile phones also okay. is a is that is a big hurdle.
2: I know the topic is decline of marriage, mm. and you have given us your top four reasons of why people well, have many issues. More, many more,
6: but the top four, but. That's minds by so that's minds by the way yes. okay because so something something that's small to uh, one couple maybe big to another couple yes, and vice versa of course
2: but I want to kind of flip the coin here. You said earlier where one is breaking down, a thousand are working. I want to focus on the thousand that working. Mm. That what is it that they're doing right that it works? What's your take on that?
6: They are following. The promise that they made to each other on the day when they shared their vows—you know—they they take their vows seriously. They're living by that, mm-hmm. you know. Seriously, people just stand up in front of the imam, in front of the priest, and says, "I do," without not mm-hmm. without mm-hmm. not knowing why they're the saying same. yes. To you. They just want—they just want to be with each other, mm-hmm. you know. They, they literally are strangers at that point. Okay. You know, before they get married, you know, they hardly know each other. And that's when the difficulty starts. So basically, it's they need to study the, the actual the sermon, the chutbah, or sorry, the, the sermon or the, the verses of their marriage vows. They have to live with that for the rest of their life. They should never, ever forget, forget that. I think that's where it's going. Well, that's where it's going right for those thousand people mm. that are, have a successful marriage.
0: So, as we mentioned before, one of the reasons why people are not getting married or ma- getting married late, so in uh, you know the, the stats that we've come across, 30, 33 uh, age for, for, for women and 35 for men, how significant is it to be financially stable? How significant or how important is it to have a house, to have a car, to have a job before you get
6: married? At some stage in your lives, it will be important, you know, but... Um whichever, let's say, aspect or religion you want to look at, you yourself, because it's an Islamic channel, you yourself said that once you complete marriage, it completes half of your faith. Mm. And we know that getting marriage is an Islamic institution is a good thing for you because again Islam says it brings you closer to God. Anything that brings you closer to God is a good thing. So if, if marriage is a good thing, age doesn't come into it. You should get married as soon as possible so your uh, religion is complete for 50%. You just hit that nail on the head which the question was coming in my head all the time because we've
2: discussed this between ourselves here so many times. A lot of people, even though we've talked about 35, 36 age, it is good to get married as soon as you possibly can. So
6: if you've got a job, you should get married. Should you not? You should, but earlier on in your conversation, you were saying, ah, you know, the average house owner is about, what, 37 or so, yes. yeah? Maybe they'll go to wait till then. Mm-hmm. okay but you know by that time habits set in yes. they don't want to change their ways oh am i ready for commitment okay no that's why they probably st- stay single for the rest of their lives. they probably have um, relationships outside of marriage they 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 make up they, they break they make they make they break like boyfriend girlfriend boyfriend girlfriend mm-hmm. so the later you leave it you know old habits you know they 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 die hard or they, they set in okay You'll know, find it very, very difficult to change oneself. cell. But in the beginning, when you're about nineteen, early twenties, you're very flexible. You're developing a long life, and if you de- and if you develop along with someone you know that's not about no in fact if you take away religion i kind of mentioned islam okay if you take away religion you know to to love and to cherish in health and sickness you know these are righteous values that a couple can develop together as they grow up to have someone there to support you to love you to care for you hey that can only be a good thing so again there is a lot of good aspects about marriage you know and um and but remember that's my piece of advice People should be educated before they take that plunge, okay? You mean education of marriage of what it entails? What does it really entail? Because we've got to be careful because there are man-made laws and there's religious laws as well. Mm. And sometimes they're mixed up. Mm. You you talk about what is the best age to get married? Is there an age in Islam? I don't think there is, okay? Is there an age in, let's say, living in England? Yes, there is. Mm. It's a man-made law. I'm sure there's good reason why they set that age, okay? Uh, But um, whether they've developed or not, in Asian countries, Far East, seemingly... um, Children develop much more quickly. And we've known um, children to get married maybe in their 12, 13, 14 years old because they are mature and they have developed. Why even not?
3: In, even in the US, uh, Mr. Orchard, there are some states which allow marriage at
2: 15. Yeah, yeah. In, in the South, there are. Yeah. The, with,
6: with parental consent, a 12-year-old so, can yeah. get married. Again, yeah. where does this age thing come into it? It's a man-made law, yeah. you know? And we can make mistakes as well. Mm-hmm. And those man-made laws can easily change. But mm-hmm. if you're talking from a religious perspective, God's law is God's law, okay? Which, which is, is what we want to focus on, mm-hmm. which is God's law. Now, we talked about God's
2: law. We talk about um, rules and regulations get set within... Uh, the frame of religion for today's generation in the modern day society. The the challenges that come from culture, the challenges that come from society. Is isn't marriage getting a kind of a bad rap because of or, or, or causing
6: confusion in the minds of youngsters? Like you're probably asking the best person to answer that we can tell you, you've talked about culture and yeah. this modern age yeah. you know, my parents one is English um, the other is from India, Pakistan they were married for 40 plus years uh, they had a very healthy, successful marriage culture enriches the relationship as opposed to divides it you know, it adds colour it adds other aspects of culture You you gain from it and um, uh, so culture to me does not, let's say, break a marriage. Is by what Richard breaks... It should enrich it. Yeah, and it does enrich it. Mm. And anyway, before a couple commits themselves, they know which culture he has. They know which culture she has. They know what they're getting into. But yes, in terms of culture, let's say, for example, in... Arabia or Pakistan it's probably is a male dominated culture okay it's what the man says and so forth you know the children will take the father's name and so forth whereas in this country you know um it's it's a it's equal rights in this country in the UK so if i may go back to that one point you made earlier that in certain
2: countries where it's male dominated but the islamic idea of marriage is not male dominated is it
6: Absolutely not, but this is where maybe the culture may creep exactly. in in an adverse way. Yeah, yeah, um, but yes, because Islam, um, you know, I like to think Christianity and other religions as well, you know, give equality to both genders, and it's not. I mean, and and it is um, very apparent. You know, for example, I think people think that Islamic marriages, you know, the male is the dominant one, mm. but you know, on the advent of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, you know, he you know, did give more rights to women than he did to men in terms of inheritance and 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 so forth. I think this notion that people
2: refer to the man as the breadwinner, they automatically assume that to be the dominant figure.
6: Yeah, but I, I always say that, look, the man is the breadwinner, he's a provider, and also, um, He's the head of the family, okay. And I think the head of the family is also kind of recognized here. The husband yeah. is the head of the family, okay. Um, things may have changed with are all man made times, they have indeed distorted, okay? I think. Yeah, yes, but, but the thing is, uh, what brother of, Daniel, <laughs> I, I felt that. <laughs> yeah. well, 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 what I'm to say here is that the man is the head of the family. Um, but he is also, he's, he's that kind of head of the family, not that whatever I say, you do, okay? Yep. No, we be given that title, head of the family, we must be a source of comfort, security for our wives. That's what our wives must feel protection. coming from us. But, at uh, yeah, protection. And when the, our wives feel that, then they can say, look, whatever you say, I'll do, okay? Well, that's what the wives must be getting, be receiving from their husbands, uh, because they have been given, bestowed that title, this the head of the family.
0: We're going to continue this conversation and bring in another guest of ours Dr. Muhammad Iqbal who is a presenter and producer of Living History here on The Voice of Islam and also a representative of the matrimonial affairs for the northern regions in the executive committee of the Ahmadiyya Muslim Association here in the UK Dr. Muhammad Iqbal assalamualaikum good afternoon peace upon you and welcome to the Draft Time show
5: Wa alaikum salam, Lovely to speak to you again. Thank Brother you for Daniel taking
0: time out for us. And uh, Mr. Orchard, uh, Mr. Orchard are here as well. So we want to ask you, um, has the meaning and the purpose of marriage changed over the years? Or, you know, people over time have just diluted the definition to suit their needs. I need a house at 29. I need a car, a supercar, not just any car, a supercar with
2: 31 Or I'm not ready for marriage because I don't have enough money in my bank account.
5: I think um, it has changed over time. We've got to be realistic about it. We're seeing that from the facts and figures that stare us in the face. Um, And that's the case throughout the world in all the different cultures. It affects our community as well. Um, And there are lots of reasons behind that. I'm happy to go into those. <laughs> that's, no, that's, to go. That's, that's we're we're listening. That was That was a very pregnant <laughs> pause. <laughs> I, one of the reasons is because I've got an echo in my phone, so it's really off-putting. Okay. What,
2: what we'll do is we'll 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 get uh, our engineers to call you back, um, um, uh, Doctor Rigwell. Because I can hear my voice and it's, it keeps That shouldn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> you should yeah. be only no, hear. We'll, we'll, we'll get we'll we'll get uh, the, the the tech to call you
0: back. Have you heard the man? alright that's Let's. Uh, we'll, we'll. We'll get back to that uh, in in just a little bit. But as far as the Islamic marriage is concerned, look, we we're talking about solutions. We we're talking about. Well, we spoke about the issues. One very interesting thing that I have come across was from the second caliph of the promised Messiah, Hazrat Abu Mahmud Ahmed May Allah be pleased with him, and he was talking about elaborating about uh, on the role of marriage in fulfilling our obligations to our fellow beings. Which are next only to our relations to God, and he said that it is our duty to see that it is duly respected and here to adhere to faithfully. It entails a heavy responsibility for both man and woman, but I find very few people realize it when it is attempted. It is done on a very inadequate scale. The Islamic law has only distinguished between two sets of rules: one pertains to God himself and the other to all fellow human beings. Marriage, therefore, falls into the second category and may be considered to be its chief proponent. The Islamic law has made the most of it, but there are many people that do not seem to understand the law fully. Neither do they try to benefit themselves by it. Their case is like that of a baby who would be quite willing to barter a precious diamond for a base coin. I wish people could only realize the importance of marriage. Now, having said that, you may understand now that Muslims, we cannot just enter into marriage lightly, just as you know, um, Mr. Orchard mentioned. You need to understand at that point when you're making, taking those vows, when you are committing yourself to that relationship, it's not just on a whim. So it is very, very important. This is something that completes the faith, that completes the religion for a Muslim. Let's try to get back to Dr. Muhammad Aslam as
5: well, slam I think uh, it's a bit better but I can still hear my voice but well, right. let's get on with it
0: well let's get on with it so you were saying dr you, you know we spoke about the the meaning and the purpose of marriage how that has changed over the years what, what has your um, observation been on that
5: I think part of it is because of society's um, outlook on the purpose of marriage uh, the lack of um, appreciation of religion and a longer term vision I think plays a part in that overall uh, society has shown some weakness in terms of adhering to religious values and that's impacted on so the uh, institution of uh, marriage as well across the world in all the different cultures um, I think prosperity has increased amongst uh, families and cultures as well and uh, the level of sort of reliance and appreciation of other values rather than just the monetary value uh, has had in uh, in impact as well. And as as you mentioned, a lot of people look at, you know, how many cars are you going to bring and what sort of house you're going to live in and all the other material things. Um, And then it's a vicious uh, circle as well, unfortunately, uh, as the marriages start failing increasingly people get fearful so uh, it's, it's a downward spiral from there and we, we have to work to address that.
0: Why then is and I'm sure people have asked you that question I mean you interact with with the younger generation why then is it so important why is marriage so important for for society at large?
5: It's extremely important. You know, in terms of Rishanata, the Prophet of Mahdi, salam, took this responsibility very seriously under his own hand. as the community started expanding with the number of initiations, of the bats, as we call them, the numbers in the community increased. Uh, he felt it was important that people were able to find appropriate rishnas, uh, you know. Uh, um, because, look, the, the, the family is the sort of foundation of a successful society. Uh, successful nations are built on strong families, strong communities. And, um, you know, the marriage creates that bond uh, of strength. Now, of course, there can be children outside the official uh, marriage system, etc., but uh, that has not proved to be too successful. So marriage adds to the strength of a community longer term, and that's why we encourage it. And the Holy Prophet, peace and blessing of Allah be upon you, always encouraged that people should get married because that was the Islamic way, and um, the Muslim community clearly has, uh, you know, uh, followed that uh, guidance as well.
0: Lastly, from my side, what are the best and common, most common advice that you give to people?
5: I think for longer term uh, success, it is important to have compatibility between the two individuals and the, the families that are trying to create this bond. And in the old days, you know, a lot of people used to say, "No, don't worry. You know, you're part of the faith community, and just trust in Allah and get on with it." <laughs> Now, you know, trust is important and to be part of a faith community like them, the Muslim community, it's important. But in this day and age, with the difficulties that we face, it's very, very important that parents uh, take their time to make the right matches and the individuals are honest with each other and are willing to, uh, you know, make compromises because marriage is based on compromises. If you think that you're going to... Uh, you know, turn somebody totally like you or, you know, have them sort of uh, the princess of your life or the prince of your life, etc. And that's it, life is going to be rosy. That's not the real world. So, And it's important to build that trust and it's important to be able to uh, modi- you know, mo- mo- modify to keep each other happy. Of course, there are some core principles that you will follow and that's understandable. That's why I said, you know, making that right match is important.
0: Wonderful, Dr. Muhammad. Thank you very much, JazakAllah, As always, a great pleasure to have you on, and uh, greatly appreciate your time, uh, JazakAllah To you and Assalamu Alaikum.
5: Appreciate.
2: Thank you. Assalamu Alaikum, you. Brother Nusor. I'm yeah, no, dying to jump
6: in. No, 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 I didn't want to interrupt Dr. Iqbal, especially when he's having. Um, he's in the flow. Yeah, and also he's having some technical issues as yes, well. Yes, that's right. But. Um, uh, I, I think if I if, if I can say, and if I did understand correctly, that you know he did say that you know youngsters these days probably have a different perspective and expectation of marriage, um,
0: which is look, the, 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 which is normal because yeah. they live in this society, and if everything around them or everything that they're surrounded by is telling them these things. We cannot yeah, expect and, them to be immune from and that, because, isn't
6: it? and because of that, hence that's why I put more emphasis on what I said about educating them yeah. before they actually take the plunge. Okay, really, they have to be educated. I think, but sometimes they just go in kind of blindly, or maybe if they're advised by the seniors, the seniors may think, "Ah, oh, this couple's compatible," and the children probably don't know any better. You see, so the education and the pre marriage counselling. maybe we have to extend it around just having it one hour we should have it actually for you know one week you know mm-hmm. look if there's any listeners young listeners out there it's important
2: to know as much as there are some stories as brother nazar said um you know he's got first-hand experience in dealing with these things there's you know where where there is one failure there's there's a thousand successes um when you look at uh, social media, when you look at mainstream, when you look at all these headlines of all these um, stars that Brother Raza was talking about earlier that, that you know, um, are, are in are in the mainstream um, media, Hollywood and Bollywood and whatever you want to call it, that, you know, it's all about, oh, they broke up and that broke up and they do never talk about the successful, long-term, happy marriages. the The point of this program was to, that as much as there's a decline, there is something that you need to know that marriage is good Marriage is important and marriage is something you should get into. It is the better option compared to living or cohabiting. It is the better option um, than, than having boyfriends and girlfriends. And, and that is something that nobody will tell you. In fact, everybody will tell you the opposite. But what we're here doing is that we're telling you that boyfriend, girlfriend, cohabiting, there is no commitment there. And commitment is important. It is the yeah. key. And commitment isn't just verbal. It is something that you have to be practical about. It is something that you take an oath in front of God Almighty, not just in words, but in writing.
6: And, and that is important also couples who do cohabit you know for many many years and they say okay we're ready to get married now they have to be careful because I feel that even though they say now we are compatible we know each other so well once they get married what do they have to find out about each other? They already know about mm-hmm. each other. That mm-hmm. is the uh, that is the um, uh, the adventure of marriage: finding out about each other. That's why that's why it becomes a challenge as well. Well, I don't like this in you. I don't like that in you. What, but but it's the making up part as well. That's a nice part as well. So as that journey it, that you take yeah, together. Yeah, you take the journey to well, the ups joke. and downs together. Yeah, there's
2: actually a joke about that. That you know, a couple had their civil marriage registration done and. the the groom was twisting his ring um, on on, on his finger and the the bridegroom asked him, what are you doing? Why are you twisting your ring? And he says, I'm trying to figure out the combination. (laughs) (laughs) But but that goes back to what Brother Nisar said. There are things you are going to find out.
6: And also uh, in pre-magic counselling, I get people to think as well. And sometimes... You know, the marriage doesn't go ahead after the counselling takes place. Mm. And other people say, look what you've done, you've broken up the marriage. I say, well, actually, I've probably saved them, you <laughs> know, yeah. Think so, out of the box. Yeah, they, they, they know, so that they can think later on that, yes, yeah, I am ready now for marriage. So, but remember the boy and girl, they do have their rights as well, yeah, okay. Yes. Nothing is imposed on them.
2: now, And that's such an important point you make, the rights of the two people yeah. who are getting married.
6: Mm-hmm.
2: exactly
0: i think uh, again what what we said before the culture mixing into religion and and that whole scramble that you get at the end of the day that's something that uh, get, comes with education you need to know that you do have rights uh, when we speak about islamic marriage or um, specifically marriages from the subcontinent that are now here second third generation but still there there is an element of that culture still in there you have the rights i mean if we look at the time of the holy prophet peace and blessings of allah be upon him how it happened during his time that even the women who didn't want to get into a marriage or if they got into a marriage that right was not given to them to come out of that marriage before islam they would go up to the holy prophet peace and blessings of allah be upon him they would talk openly about it they would face their parents even if they knew that this is not what islam stands for so lastly i want to ask you i mean i will ask you about the the you know the most common advice that you give but also this fact of god of religion of Mm. prayer how significant what impact what difference does this aspect make um in that journey that you're about to start because i think that has been neglected isn't it oh it's absent well the power of prayer to 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 guide to get that help from God Almighty even not just a week before you get married but years
6: and years before if you want to add God into the equation here okay right yeah. now more or less one of the last things I say during the counseling is that um, m Marriage is not easy. It's challenging. Enjoy each other's company. Enjoy each other. Do things together. The reason why you're getting married is to be together for the rest of your life. Not for the next three years, but for the rest of your life. And, And then... I, I say you should go on holiday together, you should go on walks together, you should go shopping together. Well, one important thing you should start from day one is to say prayers together. Okay? It's, a, it's a bond, it's a unity. Okay, mm. Because, again, if we factor God into the equation here, okay, and it's important, God-fearing people, sometimes they may not say prayers probably. Mm. So I tell them, say your prayers together so that... It will continue in the next generation. They will see the signs of why marriage is favorable. When the children see the p- parents praying together, they will also pray. Children will automatically copy their parents and that will be instilled in them. So that's one of the last piece of advice make sure you pray together as husband and wife. A so. and my question is do you? <laughs> a
0: family that prays together. You stole my punchline. What oh, no point of me coming here today.
2: <laughs> Some Wonderful. important points, but you know, it's to, just to wrap up. I mean, we're coming up to the hour. I, I was uh, listening to the, this, this question answer session, but it was actually between a, a commentator, a social media commentator and a, and a born again Christian, a young guy born again Christian. Um, and, and, uh, he was asked a question about uh, marriage and not having boyfriend girlfriend, and he says, "Well, why don't you have boyfriend girlfriend?" He goes, "Because that's preparation for marriage. The, uh, preparation for divorce,
5: mm-hmm.
2: not marriage. Divorce." He says, the, "Because you get so used to, mm. you get so used to being able to pop in and pop out of a relationship when you do get married."
6: It's not it, that easy.
2: It's not that easy, and because previous to that you've had so you've been in and out of
6: so many relationships that you had got you get prepared for it well, well I'm not saying it's hard to get out of the relationship but I think it'll make you think about it yes. yeah it'll make you think about wait a minute I am committed here I have signed papers as well yeah. you know she has rights he has rights you know so they will think about it at least before they actually you know divorce each other
2: but then the, I suppose I mean it's 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 a long argument and discussion to be had unfortunately uh, there is a uh, a responsibility on governments to ensure that they don't make divorce easy and whereas in the society we're living in it is becoming more and more easier to get a divorce instead of maybe people to to try
6: and work at it yeah and islam you know you know does actually still accommodate that okay because you know that let's say couples may not get on with each other Mm. so you know when
0: the option has to be there. Yeah, the is. option has to be yeah, there, yeah, but, yeah. but even but though it again, is the most frowned upon the thing the most, in Islam, yeah, yeah.
6: yeah it's not a sin, divorce. but it's the most yeah, frowned it's, upon it's of accept- all the you're to acceptable thing in order yeah. to get on with your yeah. life, yeah?
0: But again, that's a topic for another yeah. day, another maybe. day. Yes, we are coming to the end of today's program. At this point, we would like to say uh, thank you very much, Jazakala uh, to Mr. Nizar Orchard who came uh, and joined us here in the studio. Um, final thoughts, boys. Twenty seconds both shows anyway. but then, yeah. I, no I, been, I'll defer it to since, I, that, I, I, since I, I, that since I, I,
2: that since that momentary silence you've yes. been quiet <laughs> yes because I
3: I wanted to give you all the air time no. no I think uh, very difficult to sum up this we've had a great discussion I think uh, the only way I can sum this up is to say that um, believe in marriage believe in the solemnness of marriage um, I think that belief has disappeared from the society and and, and that's why people are, are running away from... More and more youngsters are running away from marriage. So uh, don't be fearful of committing um, to each other. Mm. Uh, it's, um, uh, I think success in life, um, uh, whether personal or professional, comes with commitment.
2: Don't equate money with marriage. If you've got a job, doesn't matter how young you are. If a boy likes a girl and a, bo- a girl likes a boy, you can get married. It is simple. It is actually hmm. as simple as that.
0: What is the point of going to all these wonderful, beautiful places if you don't have anyone to share and to look back to these wonderful um, adventures or these moments that you've had maybe a couple of years down the line? So think about that. Don't be afraid. Inshallah, we'll be back with you on Monday. Uh, tomorrow morning, SML is going to join you from all of us here at the Voice of Snab. Thank you very much for listening and Assalamu alaikum.